good whenever time you're watching this, I guess. I'm, I'm recording in the morning, so I'm just going to say good morning. Welcome to the first episode of The Pilgrim Song. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, welcome. Here's my face. Uh, and if you're listening on Anchor or Spotify, hope that you guys will enjoy this as well. I've been anticipating doing this for a while. Uh, there's been a lot of things that I do want to talk about and address, and particularly that podcast setting. And I think that also gives you the opportunity to, if you disagree with something I say, or to ask my opinion about something, anything that relates to scripture, how we relate to this world and the scripture. And if you watch the trailer, you understand that this podcast is directly about how we apply the Bible, particularly in the situations we are. So we're reminded that I'm not supposed to stick in this place. That I'm not. I'm reminded that this isn't about you know physical solutions to problems that are spiritual, because that's a lot of what happens in this world is we try to cover up failures when it comes to sin by stamping government programs on it or anything like that when instead it needs to be a heart change for all humanity so i'm hopeful that in this podcast that as we go through scripture as we have these conversations that we are trying to seek and serve god and understand that you know there's something beyond simply uh, the physical realm here so as we get into the podcast you know i don't know a better subject for us to start off then with then understanding an essential part of God's nature and his will for us. So I'm going to be reading out of 1 John 4 today. Um, and I'm just going to be going through, breaking it down a little bit, doing a little bit of exegesis here. Um, but we're going to just kind of analyze this passage, analyze important doctrines about God and also important doctrines about our relationship with one another and how we're supposed to handle that. So, over in 1 John 4, starting in verse 11, John tells us, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this love of God that was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Alright, so when it comes to essential doctrines of the faith, one of the important things to know is that God is love. I mean, I there's something about a God who is so personal in his care for us that blows me away continuously, knowing how often I fail, how often um, I don't treat people with the same love and kindness, and how often I, I need to be corrected on it. But this is the essential, what we understand about God, who he is, is that he is love. And the people who have been reborn in God, who have been reborn in Christ, they will love. There is no ifs, ands, ors, or buts about it. I don't see that whoever loves has not been born of God or anything regarding that thing. 
But anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So there is an idea when it comes to the Christian faith that everything is about hatefulness and bigotry and all that type of stuff. And the reality is some people just hate truth. So when someone comes up to them and says, hey, that's incorrect, they could be doing it out of love because they're speaking the truth to you. But they receive it as hatred. So I'm not dismissing that type of thing and saying, oh, Christians are unloving that. But there are a lot of attitudes that are espoused by Christians that are genuinely hateful. It is a constant reminder of constant reflection that we need to have that I look at this passage and I seek to understand what does God's love look like? How does that mean my God, my love should be reflected in my life? That's essential right there. In verse 8, he says that anyone who does not love does not know God because God is so, if you do not love, you do not care about anyone but yourself, if you are self-centered, um, if, you're, if you're just genuinely hateful, but you call yourself a Christian, again, it is time to reconsider and repent. Because if God is something and we are seeking to be like him, that means we cannot be hateful. It's, a, it's genuinely a misapplication, a misunderstanding of scripture to say that God is hateful or that I am called on to hate people directly. We're called to hate sin, but we're not called to be haters of people. God is love. Key, and I mean, to know that there, that God has this amount of care for each and every person, that he genuinely loves us, that he, it is beyond his nature to be unloving. It is both the most comforting thing and it also can be a frightening thing and we'll talk about that a little bit later so it says I mean John goes and starts and talks about love and he talks about it all throughout uh, the epistle first John if you haven't had the chance recently at least to read through first John I would highly recommend it it talks about just before this it talks about testing the spirits and the antichrist so there are false Trump prophecies coming out. There are false prophecies about COVID. There are false prophecies about X and Y as you uh, came through this this past year. So it's important that we remind, we're reminded to test the spirits. But he also emphasized love. He also emphasized repentance. Uh, he gives God a lot of characteristics. It's a great epistle. So if you haven't read through it, I would highly recommend that. But as we continue on, <clears throat> in verse 9, you know, you could come up to this point and say, okay, John, you have described for me a really cool, nice-sounding being. You've, recited, you've described something that sounds kind of cool. I'll, I'll give you that. But how do I actually know that God is love? And he tells us in verse 9 that in this love, in the love of God, it was made manifest among us. God sent his only son to the world so that we might live through him. You want to know that God is love? Jesus. Because Jesus came down, and as passages tell us throughout Scripture, particularly Romans 5, that while we were still his enemies, while we were still in sin, while we were rebelling against his love and his care, and were building up his wrath against us, while all that was happening, he came and died for us. He came to serve us useless worms, wretches, whatever you want to call it. That is what he came here for. 
And Paul even thinks when he's talking about in Romans 5, he's like, you know, when you think about it, maybe you would die for a righteous person or a good person. Maybe that would be something you would do. But for an evil person, would you really die for them? And that's what Jesus did. He came and died for evil people like you and I. And then when he calls us, when he sent his son to the world, we were dead in our trespasses and now we may live with him. So comforting. In verse 10 he tells us, In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. All sin is hatred of God. All sin is saying, I see the plan that you have. I've seen what you've written. I've seen what you've told. I've seen what you've revealed. I've seen what you've done. But I want to do it my own way because my way is smarter. And I'm not sitting here preaching at you because I'm perfect in this. Because I know that plenty of times that I've looked at God's law and said, that's cool and all. And I understand how that would be good. But at the same time, I want to do what I want to do. That is a huge struggle with humanity in our hearts. Again, it draws us away from God. It draws us away from doing what's correct. But we are told that in this love, God, not that we loved him, not that we cared about him, not that we desired him, but while we were broken and didn't desire him, he sent his son to be a propitiation. That's a that's a pretty churchy word, an old-time word. Propitiation means that God's wrath was against us. And now that his wrath or his wrath was against us, and now that we have the opportunity because of Jesus, he came to be the sacrifice. He came to atone, to repay what we could never repay. And that we wouldn't want to because we didn't desire him. So it is a really touching passage to know, one, that I didn't care about God. So Jesus came down and died for me. And he died for the sins of the world. So that means even people who rejected him, I mean, he still died for them. There's plenty of things that we do and we're like, well, I hope I don't get rejected. But Jesus came down and died for people knowing that a lot of them would reject him. It's a heartbreaking thing to think about. It also shows that God is love. And man, like, do we need this mercy? So in the concluding little passage here, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So, John calls us to recognize. So this is what God has done. He has sent his son. He has propitiation for our sins. He's done all these great things. This is his defining characteristic that he is love. So, as God has loved us, so you must love another, one another. So if we go into any situation thinking about what is best for only me, we have to look at Jesus. Did Jesus think that way? If I think about, well, I don't really have, I don't know, this sense of wanting to do what's best for someone else, you have to look at Jesus. If ever we consider being hateful or spiteful or anything like that, we have to consider first, is this what Jesus has called me? Is this the love of God reflected in my life? And I think the more we think that, the more we'll see how short we fall from this goal. How short we fall from God's mercy and His grace and the call that we are called to be in our lives. 
So, John continues to tell us that no one has ever seen God. So, no one has ever directly seen God other than, I mean, other than the form of Jesus. But if we love each other, one another, God abides in, his, in us, and his love is perfected in us. So, the Christian is called to love. Because that love that is reflected towards his church family, towards his physical family, towards the community, towards other people in general, that love, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfect in us. So the call of our charge is to love. John is going to keep elaborating on this as we continue. So we'll hope that you'll keep listening and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Um, hope you got to do a little bit of something during those 15 seconds, I guess. Um, but we pick, we're going to pick up in verse 13. I'm going to read down through the end of the chapter. He tells us in verse 13, By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has, not, who he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. All right. So, John tells us that we can know for a fact that God abides in us, that his spirit dwells in us. Um, we, we can know that. And that should give us a lot of confidence, that if I am reflecting the fruits that are talked about in Galatians 5, I'm reflecting the fruits of the spirit in my life, I know that God is abiding in me. And I think that when we think um, genuinely about what is reflected in our lives that we say oh I'm love I have love and I have patience and I have joy when we genuinely consider it how often do we not reflect those things in our lives it's 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 a little bit shocking it's a little bit scary but God has given us of his spirit and that means that we need to be continuing to think about and reflect and meditate and pray about I want God's spirit to be reflected in my life every day in and out even with people I don't like even with people that I'm not a fan of, to everyone. It needs to be constantly reflected. And in verse 14, it tells us that we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. One thing I've really come to love and appreciate about the Christian faith is John, when he is saying, we have seen this, he is literally talking, as an apostle, about those who have seen Jesus. He's not just saying arbitrarily, oh, you know, we've seen this, it's all this whatever it's genuinely 
We know this to be true because we have seen it with our eyes. It is not based off of some people just going out in the woods and having a mystic like seance and then they come up with this entire idea. It's genuinely, we saw him dead. We saw him alive. Now, if you come back and disprove that, then they are liars. And they would be willing to say they were liars. But we have pretty good evidence to show that they weren't. And that they weren't just insane. But that they genuinely saw the risen Christ. And in that we hope. Believing John in the words of the other apostles. And the way, the way that their lives transformed after his death. But I'm sure we'll talk about the resurrection in another episode for sure. So, as we continue on. Uh, it says that whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So, whenever we deny that Jesus is not God, that he is not the Son of God, that he is um, either a created being, or that he isn't actually a part of the Godhead, or anything like that, if we disable that part of the Christian faith, if we disable Jesus, then this faith has no power. Denying him is as first or uh, earlier in First John four tells whoever denies that Jesus is God is the Antichrist. So we need to be reminded that Jesus is God. And the only reason that the sacrifice worked, the only reason that he was able to propitiate was on our behalf, because we were broken and we needed him desperately. So we have come to know the love of uh, know and to believe that God has the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So we have come to know, I have come to understand and know, but also that I believe that God is love. So I can know God's love because of his revealing of Jesus. But I can also believe in his love to come. And I think that this belief in love is really important too because what happens when there are 500,000 in our country, 500,000 dead Americans? How am I supposed to believe that God is still loving that? Through the manifesting of Jesus. And that means that even when I go through struggles and suffering and other problems and when I look out on the world and see its brokenness, I still know that God is love. I still know that God is good. And that may mean that I have to pray and meditate more and think hard about this. Because we can't just dismiss all the bad things going on in the world and say, well, I can hide under a rock. Well, it's also our call to suffer with people when they're struggling. Just as Jesus came and suffered for us. So we can't dismiss all the pain and suffering that's going on in the world. Is not our place. But I think it is important, or I know it's important, to believe that God is love, even in these situations where it just doesn't seem like it. <clears throat> and then when it come, when he finishes, he talks about the abiding love, God's love abiding in us, which, again, is supposed to be reflected. That this love tells the truth, but this love is also compassionate and caring, uh, you want a really good definition, look over in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul defines it in a way that is honestly very countercultural. Um, the more we think about it, and, and it's pretty offensive. Um, 
even or I think to Christians particularly because we don't we don't want to think of love that way. It sounds really nice when you use it in a wedding or whatever, but when it's called to genuinely live it out, when it's called to show it in our fruit and our works, not not the biggest of fans. So we have a lot to work on when it comes to that for sure. He says in conclusion, uh, or as he's coming towards the end here, he says, We know that love is perfecting us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because we are also, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Sorry about that. Um, so, here is a very interesting call that we are not called to be afraid of the judgment. This is something I think, at least in my circles, that is prevalent. That people are really afraid that, you know, you do one bad thing and you're gone. And I definitely want to do a little podcast about grace and in the future. But what we're told about the perfect love, the perfect love of God in us, is that it casts out the fear of punishment. So as 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Um, this isn't talking about like all fear. Because we are called directly to fear God and keep his commands. We're called that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So it's important that we know that we are called on to fear God, to revere him, to genuinely, like, I mean, if God appeared before us, we would probably instantly die. Um, but it's also a very, it's a frightful presence, just as it was with the angels and all this other stuff. So there is a reverence and a genuine fear that needs to be there. But it's also love. And this love, we, the way we know it abides in us, is that I'm not afraid of the judgment. I have confidence going into judgment, not because of my goodness and all the things that I've done so perfectly, but because of God's perfect love. So I think it is important as a Christian that I reflect on this passage. Because when I start fearing about hell, when clearly I'm not called to do that. If I have been reborn in Christ... And I truly love him. I don't fear hell. That's not my driving factor anymore. My driving factor is rather the love that I have for God, the love I have for my Savior. So I think this is an important passage to consider and meditate on when it comes to that as well. He says that whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So if you are fearing the judgment while you're in Christ this morning, or whenever you're, again, whenever you're watching this, just consider and think about Do you believe in God's love? This doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. As a matter of fact, First John, in the beginning, he tells about nobody's going to be perfect. If you say you're perfect, you call God a liar. That's not a good position to be in. But rather, we love, we know that love is perfected because I know that God loves me. Um, in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. So we have a couple of other things in this passage that talk about God's nature, about his spirit that is given to people, him being love. And then as he gets to this, he really starts hammering home this application. In verse 19, we love because he first loved us. That means that when someone else treats me badly, when someone treats me hatefully or spitefully, I don't respond with hate or spite. I respond with love because I'm not doing it because of what you've done for me. I'm doing it because of what God has done for me. 
So anytime we try to use the excuse of, well, some person did something mean, it doesn't matter. God has shown love to you. And he showed love to you while you were being hateful and spiteful and mean and disgusting. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Okay? A liar. If you are willing to be unkind and rude, particularly on the social media, that's been that's been one of the really hurtful things that come out of this is the reaction of people when they think no one is listening, particularly on social media, is how they respond in that. It, it's a it's very revealing of people's character, but we are called that if I claim I love God, I sit in my pew on Sunday, I take the Lord's Supper. You know, I've been baptized. I do X and Y and Z. I love God. But then you hate your brother. You're lying. It's not true. These ideas that I love God and I love my neighbor are interconnected. They cannot be separated. If we try to separate them, then we have broken you know, the most important laws. Even Jesus said this. So, super important. I love God also means I must love my neighbor. And if I don't, I've broken commandment. But that also means that if I claim to love my neighbor, but I don't love God, I don't actually love them. Because I'm not doing the fullest love that, uh, the fullest that love could actually be as reflected in Jesus. So, the conclusion, concluding thing he says here, this is the commandment that we have from him. This is what we are told to do Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Last time I checked in this passage, I, I've searched diligently. I don't see that John uses any type of unless they're this, unless they're a different race than you, unless they have perhaps a different sexuality, if they have different political views, anything else like that. I don't see any disclaimers in here about when we are allowed to love when we're not. So it is important that if you truly believe that every human is made imago Dei in the image of God, that means if I claim to love God, I must also love my brother. This is not an easy call. Because everything in our heart is telling us that I get to treat other people how I want to. Because they're annoying, they're stupid, they just don't know how much as much as I do, anything else. But our call is not to be other people. Our call is to love God and to love others. So, the call of the Christian is to love God and to love others. But there's a part of loving God that I think needs to be addressed before we end this podcast. So if you want to look over in 1 John chapter 5, I'm going to start reading. It says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God?
So, everyone who has this belief that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So, when it comes to loving others, it is this love that has been granted to us by God through his Spirit, when we have reunited our lives with him, and then everyone who loves the Father, they love those who have been born of the Father. So when it comes to the church, or people um, at different churches or whatever else, we love them. They've been born of him. They've been remade with him. And he says that this is how we know. Right? We know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep, obey his commandments. So, how do I know that I love God? How do I know that I care about what he has to say about my life? That means when he tells me, the liar, to stop, to stop lying. If I love God, I'm going to stop lying. If I am prideful, that means I'm going to humble myself. That when he tells me, this is a sin, this breaks my heart. That means I died for this. It is my job to say, I see where that is. I need to improve that in my life. And I need to seek God's mercy in those situations. So many, I think, genuinely believe and trust in, in God and trust in Jesus. I believe, or at least I believe they think they do. But then go out and live their lives however they want to, saying, well, I love God, or I attend services, or etc., etc., whatever. I do this, so clearly I'm in the right. We are told directly here that those who actually like rely in, on Jesus, those who actually care about what God has to say, keep what he says. Keep and do his commandments. So when God says to do something, we should do it. And when he says we don't, we shouldn't. If God, you truly love God, this is how you will act. So stop trying to rewrite God to fit you know, your heart or fit your agenda, which is very natural for us to do. I don't want to change. I want God to change for me. But we learn very easily that God is the one who doesn't change, and we are the ones who do. So our call is to love him by keeping what he says. So really important as we go through this. But the conclusion of this is the hopeful one. Now, when, it came, when I came to coming up with a name for the podcast, I was very excited. I got to go through a lot of names. But I really finished on the Pilgrim song just because I love that idea of thinking that I don't belong here. Because, you know, been to places where I really, really did not fit in. And the more that my faith has grown, the more I realize that I'm not really fit for this planet at all, right? I've been so frustrated with both political parties. I've been so frustrated with um, you know, these movements that will do some good and be talking about things that I believe in, but then go way too far and demonize other people. Uh, and the more I see it and you know, the more you're on social media and stuff like that, it's like, I just don't belong here. This isn't my place. So being a pilgrim reminds me that I don't belong here. And I have a home that's far better. And even that is reminded, uh, we're reminded of at the end of this passage that we read. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, 
And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So this world that seems, you know, just way bigger than us. Now we can't overcome it. We don't have the strength to. The reality is we don't. But God can. And we have faith in the one who can overcome. Who will give us strength and will bring us home. This world's not going to be here forever. So it's important that we turn our lives over to him and that we live reflective of that. Love is something in our world that we claim to admire, claim to hold up the top. But as soon as someone disagrees with our opinion, or disagrees with our take, or disagrees with our understanding, or disagrees with our experience, that automatically becomes something that is hateful. We can claim that we love someone and then just say, I need to tell you the truth about this. I need to be honest about this. And that can be claimed as hateful. Society is, or our society claims to be built on the idea of love, but it is not. Because it's not God's love. So you, Christian, when you are called to love, that means you are doing something radically countercultural. And that means that we also need to do it. So if we're not showing the kindness that God shows, not showing the mercy that God shows, not showing the love that God shows, we aren't actually reflecting his character. We're just reflecting how we feel through our sinful human heart. Call us to love. If we're not doing that, well, God needs to have a lot of mercy on us, which he already does anyway. All right, well, this has been the first episode of the Pilgrim Song. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this. Um, I'm trying. I'm still trying to get used to being directly on camera. A lot of weirder things like that. I guess you know, I could preach in front of 200 people, but put me in front of the camera, I get a little bit more skitterish. But uh, I'm I'm working on it, so I hope that you will forgive me, especially and on the mic as well. I guess if you you're listening then. You don't really worry about this. But yeah, um, I hope that you've enjoyed. We're going to be talking about some very interesting things. I'm hoping to bring in a lot of people for some different interviews, um, talking about issues that are going on. And we're going to base, of course, everything that we do in Scripture, because that's our hope. Um, So I hope that this has been helpful to you. And yeah, I hope that you will take the opportunity to read 1 John or reread 1 John 4 through the beginning of 5. Uh, And I hope that this really changes your life. I hope that God's spirit will abide with you. So thank you guys for being here. Thank you for listening to me blabber on. I hope that this has been encouraging. This podcast will be coming out every Friday. So stay subscribed or maybe don't. Just listen to the the reminder and notifications. But yeah, I really appreciate you listening. I hope that you have a blessed day and a blessed week. I pray that God is honored.